how many um, kind of were surprised what we just did with uh, praying and everything? Anybody? Any newcomers? Did we kind of like uh, shock you? You know, we started really talking last week about the kingdom of God. And, you know, when we come in here on Sundays, we're, we do have a, like a little bit of a familiarity because we're in the same building. We kind of see our, each other and we maybe even sit in the same spot or we see the same worship team up here. But, you know, this is our opportunity to separate from this world's kingdom and to connect with the spirit of God and to understand in a greater way the kingdom of God and how it's residing inside of us. And I, our prayers is that today you will be able to be strengthened even more in your understanding of how the kingdom of God lives inside of you. If you've asked Jesus Christ to come into your life, that there's a kingdom, there's an eternal kingdom that's been established, and God is in there to reveal himself and to give you a deeper understanding of the higher purposes that God has for your life. The title of my message today is, Lord, let us recognize your kingdom. Our key verse is Luke 17, 20 through 21. And I just start out asking a question, where is the kingdom? Now, when Jesus was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, the kingdom of God does not come by or with observation, nor will they see or say, here it is or see there, for indeed the kingdom of God is within you. And that place where, you know, a lot of times in our world, because of where we live and our five senses, we want to see something. We want to see where God is at. We want to know what he's doing. We're very sense-oriented. From the time we get up in the morning till the time we go to bed at night, you know, we want to see, we want to understand, we want to comprehend. We study more. We gain more knowledge. But the deepness of who God is comes from the kingdom of God, and it's in our spirit, and it resides and resonates in our spiritual life. And coming to know God and experiencing the Holy Spirit, which transcends and far surpasses anything we can experience in the natural. When God comes on the scene and begins to speak to you, everything becomes clearer. Everything becomes more important and has a definite passion that comes with it. And there's a purpose that grips your heart like nothing else. And that is the kingdom of God. In this world, we see all kinds of kingdoms established and all kinds of kingdoms going on. We see all kinds of leadership and governments and, and we see all the different uh, people rallying around different uh, uh, people who are leading kingdoms and we see different leaders rising up and that desire to have power and to rule and yet those kingdoms pass away. But we are citizens of a greater kingdom. We are members of a greater kingdom. We are members of a kingdom that's connected with God who is who with nothing is impossible with him, who can do far beyond what we could imagine of even asking. And yet this world comes against our faith and it comes against our, even our ability to ask and believe what God would have us pray and bring into existence. I want to just go back a little bit and review from last week in um, Matthew four seventeen. You know, this is Jesus. He's coming into his own. He's coming into the reason why he came on the earth was to represent the kingdom of God and bring the kingdom of God in a real realm to the people of the earth, especially to the Jews. He was filled with the spirit at water baptism, empowered in his new nature, just like us. When we receive Jesus, he's empowered in the spirit to then do his life and live his life as a representative of the kingdom of God and then to do signs, wonders, and miracles that re represent heaven coming to earth. And from the time Jesus began to preach, crying out, repent, change your mind for the better, 
heartily amend your ways with abhorrence of past sins, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Again, he's addressing our allegiance to this world and whatever sins, whatever depravity has gripped us and however we're living our life in contrary ungodliness, that when Jesus comes to us, he represents a change, a total transformation in the way we think, the way we feel, and our purposes in which we live because the kingdom of God is at hand. He's offering a, a total different way to live our life, a total different motivation, a total different purpose, a total different passion, something that's going to outlast any fad, anything that uh, tickles our fancy for a while, any new hobby, you know, anything that's going to distract us or, or offer us something. The kingdom of God comes to offer us something lasting, something meaningful, something purposeful. And he comes to ignite something in us, a gift and ability that comes supernaturally by his Holy Spirit and a reason why we can live and something that rises up out of us, some kind of a gifting, some kind of a passion or purpose that causes an example of Jesus Christ and brings the miraculous into another purpose, person's life and especially into the body. Jesus' purpose was revealed in his primary message, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Now there's something that caught them completely off guard. He brought his world with him. In this day and in this time, before Jesus comes back, and before even those two prophets come on the earth in the end times and begin to do signs, wonders, and miracles, there's an activity of the Holy Spirit that comes in the kingdom of God in us that God wants to renew and restore to the body of Christ. A belief in God who does miracles. A belief in God as a people who represent Jesus' body begin to rise up and do the kind of things that Jesus wants them to do, that will pray bold prayers, that will go to bold places like the Van Meters did. You don't know what it's like to be young in their age and to extend themselves out to a foreign place, like we've told you before, where they can't even get peanut butter every day. It takes me like a jar of peanut butter every two weeks. But nevertheless, people who find a purpose that is greater than anything this world offers finds also a greater fulfillment and also a greater challenge. Because when you decide you're going to serve God, all the enemies of hell are going to come against you and try to discourage you in that purpose. Why? Because the kingdoms of this world are so available to us and they're so represented right in front of our eyes, they become distractions. But if we can keep our eyes on Jesus, there's a passion that grows inside of us and it's the kingdom of God. Most Christians repent enough to get forgiven, but are not enough to see the kingdom. Do you see the kingdom in your life? Are you recognizing the kingdom of God in your life? When you get up in the morning, are you just feeling, oh, this is another day? I thought about last Monday when a number of people got up and went to work, and they were shot on their job. What expectations did they have? What hopes and dreams did they have? Had they even come into that place where they were really living a fulfillment in what they had dreamed about, and yet their life was cut short? When Satan became the god of this world, when Adam and Eve uh, brought us into sin, a new ruler took over, and he's the one who comes to kill, steal, and destroy. I don't like this kingdom. I don't like what he does to people, and I don't like what he does to families. I'm glad Jesus came and brought us an alternative, a kingdom that will surpass and override when Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Something that can come into our heart and take us through grief and loss and all the different things that come our way, even our own failures that cause us to be shameful and turn our head and feel like unworthy citizens. But while we were sinners, Jesus came and died for us that we might experience the power of his kingdom, 
that we would not be held by shame, guilt, or anything else. And no matter how many times we fail or, or turn our back and walk away from Jesus, we can stop, repent, and move forward because the kingdom of God is at hand. It's right there. It's available to us. Repentance is not complete until it envisions the kingdom of God. We are changed to see Jesus. We are changed to see a bigger potential, a greater purpose in our lives. A greater fulfillment is to be had by all those who believe in Jesus Christ and are experiencing the kingdom of God and active in their life. We're born again to see the kingdom. In John 3, 3, Jesus answered and said to Nicodemus, a religious leader who was not satisfied and fulfilled with the religion he had been experiencing. He saw something different in Jesus. He saw the kingdom of God in operation. He saw God in flesh, although his natural mind might have not been able to comprehend it. So Jesus answered and said to Nicodemus, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. I tell you today, there is something that's going to be continually awakened in your life, the ability to see the kingdom of God, the ability to recognize the kingdom of God going on in your own life and going on in the lives of those around you. It's going to cause you to do things that you never would have done, speaking to people you never would have spoken to because something is throbbing and beating in your heart, and that's the passion for God's people, the passion for the lost, the passion for the broken. You may not have any idea when you see a broken person what to do, but maybe even the faith that you would step out and go lay your hands and pray for them and ask God to bless them, ask God to do something for them. You don't know what miracle will be ignited. Why? Because the kingdom of God is in you, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus brought the kingdom of God down, so we must enter it. Enter the kingdom. In John 3, 5, Jesus again answers Nicodemus, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. When we talk about entering the kingdom of God, I'm talking about, for us Christians probably mostly today, of us getting a, a greater grip with our mind, will, and emotions of this incredible kingdom that we're involved with. It's heaven now down on earth. And it's us believing beyond what we resist, what's resisting us, beyond what we see, beyond our negative feelings, beyond oppression and depression, beyond discouragement, that there's a kingdom that is ready to operate, but it operates against all those five senses that we see. It operates against the unbelief that's natural in our human person. And it's a, it's a belief in the kingdom of God. A new birth being born again spiritually. It's not just a casual thing. It is so dramatic when we realize we are sinners and we understand through the knowledge of the gospel that Jesus came and died for our sins. And we say, you know what? I'm a sinner and I don't like the way I'm living and I don't like being a sinner and I want that, Jesus. And you say, give me that forgiveness. I want to be born again. The spiritual transformation that begins in our heart is overwhelming although it may be something that sometimes we do and we may go years and not feel any difference. But I tell you, as the Spirit of God works and as time goes on, there is something that is ignited in our heart. And it's because we've been called into another kingdom. We've been called into a deeper place. We've been called into something that's going to last far outlast this world. And it's demanding everything that we got. And it's calling to live a life of servant and sacrifice to a greater king. To one who, though we give up things now, there's going to be such a great reward. We won't even want to receive it when we get there because we'll be overwhelmed in seeing who Jesus is and his love extended to us when we come into his literal presence. 
Prayer is keeping the kingdom in reality. Because we're bombarded with so many problems and uh, overwhelming things that come against us, we have to see prayer as what keeps us and keeps that kingdom of God as a reality. Although Jesus is physically gone, he offers us a tool, an avenue, a weapon to keep the kingdom of God close. In Matthew 6.10, Jesus said to pray. Pray, Father, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Why? Because the kingdom of God takes representatives to pray and appropriate and petition to bring heaven down into this world. Satan mounts up with all that he has to make sure that that isn't happening. He's making sure you're disillusioned in prayer, that you're too busy to pray, that you don't believe that prayer works, that you don't believe you can come into the presence of God. Why? He knows when you start operating in that other realm that the supply line starts being supplied and things start happening. Do you think he's going to let prayer be easy for you? Do you think he's going to keep you from being distracted in prayer? Do you think he's going to hold back his demons and say, no, let them have their time of prayer. They need it. They really need it because I'm more powerful. No, Jesus said he saw Satan fall like lightning from the heaven because he cut his spiritual power. He cut the feet right out of under Satan and he gave us back the power through the Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit to use and to apply his kingdom now in our lives. Matthew 6, 13, daily prayer for the kingdom. Jesus said, pray this. Now, if Jesus says do this, what do you think we're supposed to do? Do it. Do not lead us in temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Our prime opponent is the demonic activity of Satan in this world to distract and hinder the glory of God and the kingdom of God's representation through our lives. So we're to pray against that evil one every day. Pray against every evil uh, comes against your family or you or those people that God is using you to reach out to. Pray that their mind is open to the Holy Spirit. Pray that their spirit is open to the presence of God to move on their heart, to soften their heart, to penetrate their heart so that the gospel that might come through you through the words of your lips or the prayer from your lips will penetrate and bring change and transformation into life so that Satan's kingdom may be driven even out of what they're experiencing that they might too begin to see the kingdom of God. Pray against the evil one. For yours is the kingdom of God and the power and the glory forever. I've been in Christian for over 50 years of my life, and I tell you, I've seen too much powerlessness. And in my seeking God myself, I'm asking God, I'm asking to see a church with more power. I'm asking to see a church using their gifts. You know, we're going through the gifts of the Spirit, and I am praying, we are praying, our men have gone, this is our fourth week of just examining the gifts in 1 Corinthians 12, and we're taking a gift by gift and talking about it, we're praying about it, we're asking God that those gifts might be evident in our life and and being used in our life. Why? Those gifts represent who Jesus is. Jesus came on the scene, he did it all. But he did his work of redemption quick. Why? So they could give back the responsibility to his body to begin to operate in all those different gifts. But it takes the unity of our submission together, of being planted in the church where God wants us, where those gifts can be used and they can be grown and developed so that we can exercise them. Yes, there's, there's a strength that comes together, but we are only being strengthened together so that we can go out wherever we, God takes us to impact the world with the kingdom of God. And John, um, John the Baptist and the kingdom, Matthew 11, 11 and 12. 
Jesus says, Surely I say to you, among those born of women, there is not risen one greater than John the Baptist, but he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violent, and violent men take it by force. Do you ever get violent about your situation? Do you ever get violent about your powerlessness? Do you ever get violent about how Satan is beating you up? Do you ever get violent because you don't feel like you have any passion? You don't have any purpose? That's the kingdom of God rising up in you, in you. That's the reality of that truth of that scripture gripping you and saying, wait a second, things are not as they should be. I don't see the kingdom of God working like it's supposed to work. And so you get tenacious and you get down there and you begin to spend a little bit more time praying and asking. And really we have to get to the place where we're dissatisfied with our spiritual life. We're dissatisfied with what we see and experience in the kingdom and we become desperate. We become pursuers of something that is greater than us. Hey, in a moment, we are going to be transferred over to that next life. And who knows when or how, how much time we have left. Why don't we pursue God with everything we have? Why don't we take our fears, our anxieties, even what, our fears about what God is going to ask us from us and say, God, I'm afraid of this. I'm afraid of what you want from me. But I want the kingdom of God. I want a passion. I want to see you. If you're disillusioned about God, if you're disillusioned about your prayer life, get serious and say, hey, if this stuff either works or doesn't work, either this word works or doesn't work, I want to see your kingdom manifested. God, you examine my heart. You change me. You look at my soul. You look at the things that are, are, are affecting me and where my attentions are, and you examine my heart. And God, change in me anything that needs to be changed. And I tell you, begin to pray like that, you begin to take on this passion. You begin to take on, you begin to see opportunities that you've always had, that you've always walked away from, and you begin to, to act differently. You begin to do those things that impact people's lives. And then when you've done doing a few of those things, you begin to step back and realize God really is working, that his kingdom is being represented through my life. The kingdom's paths are not easy. Acts 14, 21 and 22. Paul and Barnabas went back to Lystra and Iconium and Antioch, establishing and strengthening the souls and the hearts of the disciples, urging and warning and encouraging them to stand firm in the faith. Hmm, sounds like they had the same kind of oppositions we do. And telling them that through many hardships and tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. Here they were representing the kingdom of God in, in power and presence. And they knew what it was to have physical opposition and spiritual opposition to that message. And yet, they warn us that the kingdom of God is going to be experienced by us, but we're going to go through all kinds of rocks being thrown at us, all kinds of hardships, because the enemy doesn't want us to think that this kingdom thing is going to be easy, but really is, because we're resting on the grace and power of the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God we're going to see is going to be when we cross and enter into that next life. But also, through the, through the hardships and trials that we go through, we begin to see the kingdom's evidence by enduring those trials and hardships and seeing what God does through our giftedness by the Holy Spirit using these just old, frail, weak people that we are. That Christ might be glorified in us. And when we use our gifts, talents, and abilities, God is glorified. And the kingdom of God is established in a greater way. More people are established. More people come into the kingdom. I tell you, this thing's been growing since Jesus came to earth. Since, since John began to announce, hey, the kingdom of God is coming. Get ready. The Messiah is coming. Look at the transformation and the transition. 
And John, as powerful as he was, it says he is nothing compared to us through what Jesus did and our adoption and now how the kingdom of God lives and resides inside of us. Heaven is our resource center. Philippians 4.19 Our God, God shall supply your need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So often we're aware of our lack. We're aware of what we don't have. But it says that our God will supply our need according to his riches. I never heard that he was out of stock. You know, sometimes you order something online and, sorry, out of stock. What? I wanted that. Oh, sorry, discontinued. Excuse me? There is no discontinued items in heaven. I tell you, the church needs to mount up and pray and begin to believe again that that storehouse is open, that Jesus brought the kingdom, and now all of a sudden, okay, I'm starving you. I got it all. That you have to beg, borrow, or do some kind of religious thing. No, it's simply asking, believing, knocking, receiving, being open. Hey, adjust me in any way, but you are my source, and I want heaven to come down. I see my neighbors. I see people around me that need the kingdom's resources. And we are the ones, when we begin to believe that, I tell you, heaven's resources are going to flow. Again, heaven is the greatest distribution warehouse. If we could see it in the terms of how we see, uh, you know, the Google headquarters when they show the warehouse on the History Channel and how many square miles it is and everything and all this stuff, there are no people sending packages everywhere. Heaven's better than that. It's time that God just, our faith, we lead and begin to have a greater trust in who loves us. Maya, thank you reminded us that someone died for us. And if he died from us, Romans says, why would he withhold any good thing from us? But Satan, when we, oh, there's that need you have. Oh, yeah, you know what? God's just holding that back. You're just not ready yet. You know, maybe in a couple of weeks, you know, there's something in your life when it gets right. No, he died when we were sinners. I tell you, heaven's supply line is open. We have to knock, seek, and ask. We have to believe that God wants to get it to us. And if anyone is hindering us, Satan, he's the thief. Kill, steal, destroy. That's his mission. That's his job. Is he changing? No. But he twists things and causes us to think that God is the one withholding from us. It says that God will not withhold any good thing from us. We're his kids. We'd have to say he was an abusive parents, parent if he was withholding from us. He's not an abusive parent. James 1.17, every good gift and every perfect gift, free, large, full, gift is from above. It comes down from the Father of all that gives light in the shining of whom there is no variation, no rising or setting, or shadow cast of his turning as in an eclipse. If he said it, we can bank on it. Jesus tells us, go after the kingdom. Matthew 6.32, Jesus said, your heavenly father already knows your needs. Seek the kingdom first above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. God wants you to have fun. God wants you to enjoy life. God wants you to be blessed. It's all keyed in seeking the kingdom first. Seek him. Seek the kingdom. You have needs? Say, God, I know you're going to take care of my needs. I'm going to seek you. God, I want to know you. God, I want to see you. 
God, forgive me for not believing in you. God, forgive me for not trusting you. God, forgive me for being anxious. God, forgive me for being fearful. God, I, I bring you my fearful temperament. I, I bring you that natural side that can be anxious. I, I give you that part of me that doesn't trust you. I surrender all those things to you. God, I want to see your kingdom. God, show me how to seek your kingdom. Go after the kingdom. The power of the kingdom on earth it's a power that frees us from sin. You know, when Jesus, this, well, I just want to skip that verse. I think I just, my time is leaving me as usual. I talked last week about, um, you know, the presence of God. And it's so key with our heart being open and seeking the kingdom and, and you know, coming to God with thanksgiving. And it's almost like when we, when we start coming to God and we just begin to thank him, Maybe you have to just think of something that you're thankful for to, to get your, your soul in the mood, get your mind uh, tuned in, that you begin thanking God and you praise God and you're, you're thankful to him. It just begins to push those distractions down and those, those needs down so that your heart can get into the presence of God. And it's in the presence is where there's this connection with Jesus. And I just want to read this little story. Um, it's Luke 18, 35 through 43. Jesus near... Jesus presence, Jesus present. A blind man receives. Then it happened as Jesus was coming near Jericho that a certain blind man sat by the road begging. And hearing a multitude passing by, he asked, What does this mean? So they told him that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by. And he cried out, saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then those who went before, warned him that he should be quiet. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be brought to him. He's now getting into the presence of Jesus. And when he had come near, he asked him, saying, What do you want me to do for you? You know, when we're praising God and thanking God, when we're just making time to get in his presence, it takes a lot of time sometimes to, to quiet our soul and quiet all these distractions and even the things we want to do that are fun and good to get quiet in his presence. Why? We want to receive from Jesus. When you're in his presence, when you're near to Jesus, when Jesus is present, there's a greater ability to just receive. He's always with us. But our soul, our five senses get us so distracted that our heart is blocked. Our heart is like this, this blind man. I know Jesus is coming by. I know in this presence there's a connection I have with Jesus. There's a comfort that comes. There's answers that come. There's needs that are met. But again, it could be like those people. Your own soul can be like those people. Oh, hey, be quiet, be quiet. You know, you know what it is. You know what it is. There's times you know God wants to connect with you and you're just so busy doing things. You might even be doing good things. And your soul overrides your heart, your spirit, where Jesus connects and where he lives from, and you miss something. How many times have you left prayer or left something because you're busy and you know you missed something? Be honest. Yes. Then those that went before him warned him that he should be quiet, but he cried out all the more. When, when your soul is telling you don't take time with Jesus, cry out all the more. Oh, no. Oh, no, soul. I, I need this. I need to be in the presence of Jesus. Son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be brought to him. And when he had come, he asked him, saying, what do you want me to do for you? 
Jesus loves us, and he waits for us to spend time and get close and be in his presence. Do you think when we're in his presence that, that somehow our heart can't ask those things that we really want and need? He's a good dad. I can remember my dad as poor as he was when, when I would want a quarter from him. He'd give me a quarter. What do you want me to do for you? And he said, Lord, that I might receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, receive your sight. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. There's just something I want to leave with you. There is something that happens. And I'm not saying God's not with us, but I'm saying there's something again in our heart connecting with Jesus where we get into this place of receiving. God wants us to be better receivers. And I want to leave you with that word this week. Will you stand with me about being a better receiver? I can't go into the scriptures I had about that, but just be open. I'm just going to pray, and then maybe the worship team would come. We have like three or four minutes before we release everyone. Lord, we just come. And uh, Lord, I just pray, Lord, if there's anyone here who has never asked you to come into their heart, they've never experienced being born again, that, Lord, they would just, you would just come to them to them. You would extend that love to them, and they would ask you to come into their heart. And I just pray, Lord, over us that we would have a greater excitement about your kingdom. God, forgive us in places that we just have been so caught up with our own lives and fearful of what you have for us that we're afraid of your kingdom. Lord, help us. God, help us. You know our humanness. Help us, Lord, to be able to trust you. Lord, I just ask this in Jesus' name.